0: Thank you so much for joining us tonight. If you didn't know who I am, my name is Eric Gill. I'm one of the uh, pastors here in Marinata. I get to work specifically with the youth, uh, with the high schoolers and middle schoolers, and it's always a pleasure to come here to Men's Studies and be able to share the Word of God with other men. Uh, but before we get into the Word of God, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask for help for you guys. You see, I am originally from the Dominican Republic, which means that I'm not an expert. On football, American football, I am terrible at American football, and somehow I ended up being on a fantasy league with pretty much all the pastors here in Marinata, including Pastor Butch. And I, for the last two weeks, I have won the worst managers award. So if I will take any feedback, any suggestions, you got me. Okay, I see. You. Thank you. Yeah, I am right now. I am torn because I have Justin Herbert as my main core uh, quarterback, but they play the Browns. And I love the Browns. And I don't, yeah. Anyways, you don't have to do anything with the message. But figure I'd throw it out there. Uh, in the Bible, there is the story of Jesus. Of how he had intentionally been wanting to spend time with his disciples. Especially in the later part of his journey that was going to lead him to the cross. And we're told in the Bible that as Jesus was getting ready to start that journey to the cross... He's going to set up a time where he's going to be having one not one-on-ones, but a special dinner with his disciples. And it's during this time that we're told that the moment that they sit down, Jesus says to them, I have earnestly waited for this. This is something that I have been looking forward for. And in those moments, Jesus is going to address a couple things with his disciples. He's going to share with Peter that, hey, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. He's going to talk about them, how his time and one of them was going to betray them, betray him. Uh, and all this different stuff. And among those things, Jesus is going to tell them something to encourage them. He's first going to tell them a fact, something that was going to happen. But then he's going to encourage them. He says to his disciples, in that very intimate moment, he says to them, hey, just so you know, I'm about to leave. You guys are going to be scattered among the nations. Some of you are going to go home. Some of you guys are going to go back to your way of life. But guess what? This world, you're going to face opposition. You're going to be persecuted. It's going to be tough. But be encouraged by this. I have overcome the world. And in that moment... Jesus will turn his attention to Jesus, and he's going to take a time to pray for his disciples. And in among that prayer, this is what he's going to pray for them. In John 17, verse 13, this is not the passage for tonight, so don't worry for looking for it. But here's what he's going to pray for them. He says, But now, praying to God, but now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them, just as I am, sanctify them in the true. your word is truth. As you send me into the world, world, so I have sent them into the world and for their sake i consecrated myself that they also may be sanctified in truth so in this very intimate moment that jesus is praying to god for his disciples in his prayer in his prayer he's asking god not to remove his disciples from the world not to take them from the challenges that they were going to be facing, the persecutions and all this different stuff that they were going to be facing, but instead that they will protect them to be in the world, but not of the world. And that is what we're going to be talking today about Daniel, in the book of Daniel, when you look at the story of his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah, nailed it. You You know who they are if you've been in church. Yeah, nailed it. First try. Now, here's what I love about this story. And here's what I love about the topic of being separated. Here's the tendency that most of us, and even myself included, tend to, tend to do. When I look at the idea of being separated for the culture, my first assumption or my first way of thinking is to always point it to the youth. To say this is a topic that my kids and the students and the youth need to hear. They need to be separated from the culture. And even though there's truth to that, because we will say that as men, adult men, we're mature, we, we have experienced life, we have seen a thing or two, kind of like that. I think it's the progressive or the uh, farmer's commercial. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two, right? That's kind of like we, will, we can put ourselves in a position where we can dismiss this idea of being separate. From the culture. But true is, is that all of us, don't matter how old you are or how young you are, don't matter how much life you have experienced and how much you have not experienced in life, all of us, if we're not careful, we can allow this collapsing culture, this broken world, influence the way we think, the way we behave the way we treat others, the way we deal with our kids, the way we deal with our wife, and so on. And so this is why this idea of being separated of the culture is so important. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 3. In Daniel chapter 3. Now, this is uh, the passage that I also one thing that we tend to do, because the events that are going to happen after the verses that we're going to be reading today is an event that majority of us, if not all of us have heard at some point in our life, which is the great story about the furnace. Fire, the, 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 uh, the furnace in Chadra. I mean, yeah, you got those three guys. We call them the three amigos. The three amigos, how they got into this, uh, I, I was like, I tell you, I practiced it in my office over and over how to pronounce the king's name and the three friends. So, you, you, you know, bear with me. But uh, the three amigos, we know the story of how they went to the furnace fire and how uh, God protected them, right? And next week we're going to be covering about it. But many times when we look at the story, we're easy to dismiss the events that lead to it. And are these events are crucial to give us context as to why the story of the furnace fire is so important and so relevant to us. So join me as we read in Daniel chapter 3. Verse 1, it says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and his breadth 60 cubits. He set it up up on the plains of Duran in the province of Avalon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps, the prefects and the governors, the counselors, the democrats, the republicans, just kidding, (laughs) the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates and all the officials of the province to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the satrap, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the province gathered for the dedication of the image of King Nebuchadnezzar, has set up, and they stood before the image that he has set up, and the herald proclaimed aloud, "You are commanded, O people, nations, and language, that when you hear the sound of the horn." Pipe, lyre, trigon, heart, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and to worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Verse 6. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as all the people heard the sound of the herd or the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, heart, bagpipe, and every kind of music... All the peoples, nations, and language fell down and worshiped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Verse 8. Therefore at that time certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jewish. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre... Trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning fiery furnace. There are certain Jewish whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abed. Abed yeah. This man, O okay, king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. And we'll stop right there. So this is the story that is going to lead to the events of those three guys going into the furnace fire for standing their ground. But it's important because this story gives us an idea of why why it is so hard for us to stand or to be separate from a culture that is collapsing. What is so hard for us as Christians to be separated from our culture. And so tonight where we're going to be looking at that we're going to look at some example in this passage so why is it so hard to be separate from our Colossian culture and the very first one we can see is on the very first verse 1 as we're described this statue or this image that the king made made uh, had them made now if you look at the context or if you look at the story of the culture and you look to uh, what they would do, there is debate between whether it was an image of a person or whether it was an obelisk. Something that the Egyptians and all these people would do. It doesn't really matter what it was. But we are told very specific dimensions of the statue. We are told that at the very least it was 90 feet tall. And just to give us an idea of what that looks like, I included this picture on the PowerPoint. This is the Christ the Redeemer statue in Brazil. That statue, if you take the base apart, is about 98 feet tall. So it's a massive statue. It's big. So when you look at the culture, when you look at what was happening, one of the reasons why it's so hard for us today to be separate from culture it's because we cannot ignore it. We cannot ignore culture. It's right in front of us. It is right there for us to see. We cannot close our eyes because otherwise we won't be able to see. But even if we try to close our eyes, we see it. It's there. Culture is right in front of us. Now in the passage the statue that they built not only was massive in height, it was made entirely of gold. Now gold today is precious. Gold is expensive. But back then it was even more precious and more expensive. And King Nebuchadnezzar wanted to get everyone's attention and so he made the image entirely of gold. Culture is right in front of us. And how can you be separate from something that you cannot ignore? I think back on my time when I was, uh, I like girls or I knew that a girl liked me or I thought the girl would like me and then I realized that she didn't and I was in that awkward sport where I needed to move on. My technique was to ignore her or to ignore everything that she would do. And it worked in some times, but there were times that I couldn't ignore it. Everywhere I went she was there. And so how can you move past something that you cannot unseen, right? It's kinda hard. Well the culture does the same thing to us. I was watching a TV show with my daughter a few weeks ago. She's one year old. So I was alone with her. I was losing my mind. And I didn't know. I thought the greatest idea was to put a TV show with her. Just till mommy get back. I wasn't losing my mind. But it did save me. Uh, I put a TV show. And I'm watching a show with my daughter. And as I'm watching it, I see something. In the show, ready up front, this is a TV show for kids. You have the homosexual agenda. For a show for a one-year-old. Very up front. They didn't even try to hide it. They didn't even try to ignore it or to, to be subliminal about it. It was right in front of you. And so this is the kind of culture that we live, that is right in front of us. In the time of Daniel's, and them, they could not dismiss this statue. For them to be separate from that statue was going to be a challenge because it was right there for them to see. And so then we will see too that the other thing about culture and why it is so hard for us to be separated from it is that culture gives you and me an opportunity to compromise. If you look at, this, if you look at the passage, you'll see that he goes, the king gives him a, a command and tells all the officials and all the peoples, regardless of their nations, regardless of their languages, to consider and to, not to consider, but to nail down and to worship this image that he had built. Now, there is some history to this. If you were to read the first chapter 1 and chapter 2, you see that he had an encounter and he had a dream about his kingdom and how great of a kingdom he was going to be and how his kingdom was going to be like known entire, throughout the entire world. And because of that, you also see that his desire behind making this image that when you consider see the culture, it is, the assumption is that the reason why he did it was so that there would be one unified nation under one worship or, or under one God. You see all of this and you put yourself in the shoes of those people that were there and you can see why it was so hard not to compromise. i give you another example of myself. uh, I'm originally from the Dominican Republic and my culture is very different to the American culture. But when I came to America, I had an opportunity to compromise my Dominican culture to fit in better with the Dominic the American culture. And guess what I did? I compromise because I wanted to fit in the in American culture. Now you put yourself there in that scenario. You are a subdued people. You are a subdued nation. This king comes and presents this image in front of you and gives you the command that now if you worship, you can be part of us. If you compromise your belief, if you compromise who you what you worship, you have now an opportunity to be part of us. Now you see why it's so hard not to compromise. And then you look at culture today and how culture, it is constantly putting things in front of us, things that puts us in a position where we're open to do the things that we don't like. It's kind of like when you're on a diet and you tell yourself that you're going to eat good and you have been eating good and then you get home and you see a chocolate laying around, right? What well, is you know, you kind of have a hard time not looking at that chocolate. Culture makes things so accessible to us now. They put it right in front of us. Think about purity. You can watch pornography from your phone just like that. It takes seconds. What about lying? What about things that, you know, compromising what you believe, what you think is true, what the Bible says is true. It is so difficult to be separated from a culture. That it gives you opportunity to compromise. That makes it accessible for you and me to do things that are wrong. It is hard to be in a culture that says that the wrong things are right and that look at the right thing as wrong. And so then in addition to that, there's the other extreme where you can see here too in verse 6, it says, And whoever does not fall and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning fire furnace. You can see too that it's so hard to be separated from culture when culture, it pressures you to give in to it. You'll see that these people, let's say you have two people, you have those that wanted to compromise, that they were willing to compromise. But you may have those that love where they came from, that love what they believe, that love their worship, but they had no option that if they did not compromise, if they didn't compromise to the worship of this image, they knew that their life was going to end. And so they were forced to give in to that. And we see today how culture works in that way. You have to—you don't have to go far. Just consider it cancel culture. If you don't say the things that culture wants you to say, you're going to get canceled. How many people are getting canceled today? People that whether they're Christians or not Christians, or whatever reason, whatever they believe, they say the wrong things. They're getting canceled. But let's make it more practical to you. What about your job? If you do not work in a Christian environment, what are you required to do and why are you required to believe? It is so hard to be in a culture that requires you to believe or to be separate from a culture that where you work setting, your livelihood is at risk if you do not compromise, if you don't give in. I have a side job and in my side job I was told two things that... Uh, Put me in a really tough position. Now they're not enforcing it. Had they been enforcing it, I would be out. But two things they're asking is that to be accepting of the homosexual agenda, to believe it and to be uh, accommodating to it. And the other aspect of that was too that I needed to uh, be against uh, those that are pro-life. They didn't enforce that on me, but the, the culture in the business encouraged that. And I was put in a position where I had to get counsel. I had to go to Pastor Bush and Bruce and talk about it because I needed some guidance. But this is what culture does. It is tough to be separated from a culture that presses you to do the things that they wanted you to do. And then the last thing we'll see in this aspect of why is it so hard. You see it too that it is hard to be separate from a culture when it puts relationship on the line. See, you think about Shadrach, Meshach, and my other boy. Uh, you, you think of them three. <laughs> I cannot get his name right. So I'm not going to try no more. Uh, you see those three guys, They you read what happened in chapter 1, chapter 2, you hear how well they were doing in the kingdom. You hear how because of Daniel and because the favor that God had placed in their life, they had been recognized as people in among other peoples, Right? You have to think about the culture and how at the time when an empire will go to a nation and will subdue them, the subjects will not have a position of importance. Instead, they will be slaves, they will be doing jobs that were very minor or very, or, or not, um, that were very um, offensive or uh, or demeaning. There we are. Demeaning. And so because of that. You hear, you see the story and how there were people among them that saw that the Jewish and then specifically these three guys, that they were not happy, that they were not following the directions of the kingdom. And they saw that as an opportunity to harm them. But think about those three guys and the role that they had with the king Nebuchadnezzar. Think about how much they would have prospered or how much could they have prospered if they would have just simply compromised. They already were in position, they were in good grade with the king. All they had to do was to kneel down and worship this image just like everyone else. But because they didn't, their relationship with the king, their relationship with the nation was on the line. And it is so hard to be separate from a culture when your relationship with people is on the line. Think about your son or your daughter, if you had any. How you can observe culture influencing them on believing things that are not true or doing things that you know is a sin, that you know that, they're not do, that they shouldn't be doing. But for you to speak true to that, you know that you may be able to, to sacrifice or hinder your relationship with them. And because of that, you may find yourself being accepting, accepting of things that you know they're wrong. Think about your friends. Your co-workers, the people that you made surround yourself. And how because of the sake of not losing a friendship, you can be put in a position where you will be in the culture. Not apart from the culture. And as we see this story, we can see in four different ways why is it so hard to be separate from a culture that is collapsing. What is so hard to be separated from a culture that is broken. Where the run? Is called right, and the right is called wrong. And we also get to see how this does not only apply to the youth, to the younger generation. This applies to all of us. All of us, if we're not careful, we can be influenced by culture. So how do we deal with that? Well, I think that for that we just have to go back to Jesus in the book of uh, Matthew. Uh, if you go to the book of Matthew, you see that... Uh, Jesus goes on a list uh, of uh, describing what his disciples were going to be and what they were supposed to be in this world. And in that sermon, he's going to give an uh, illustration of what it is expected of his disciples. And you see in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, it says, Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth, he's speaking to his disciples. But if his salt has lost its states, how shall his saltiness be restored? it is not longer good for anything except to be thrown out of tramp to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet you are the light of the world a city set on a hill cannot be hidden nor do people a light lamp and put it on their basket but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house in the same way let your light shine before others so that they may be your may, may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. Do you want to be separated from your cult from the culture? Jesus says to his disciples, then you have to be the salt and the light of this world. Now, I love the imagery that he used here, and it made more sense to them than it may make sense to us. Because back then, when you look at salt, salt was a very special thing that they that they needed to be able to sustain themselves. Because you look at salt, it preserved the food, but it also gave taste to the food. So it was an essential part of their life. But for salt to be good, for salt to be effective, it needed to remain pure. It could not get mixed with any other ingredients. It could not get mixed with anything else because otherwise it would lose its pureness. It would lose its effects. And that is why they would grab it and throw it on the floor and people would end up eventually walking on it. So you have to be pure. And then he says you have to be a light. To shine light on darkness, to illuminate, to guide people to truth. They were to be the ones that were so different that when they saw them, they will see the good works. That they will see who they worship. That they will see who they follow. Now, no one lights a candle. Now, in, in the Dominican Republic, we don't have electricity. So when electricity goes out, we will all use candles. And no one will light a candle and put it under the bed. You will use a candle and walk your way. And candle was essential to, for you to be able to be functional in a, world, in a room full of darkness. And if you are to be separate from the culture, you have to recognize that you, in order to be functional, you need light. Now the beauty about the passage is that you and I do not produce light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And because Jesus is the light of the world, then we have the encouragement that the light that we are to shine is not our light, but his light. And because we are shining his light, we serve as a reflection, It's a reflective light to others of who Jesus is. And so as a reflective light, we have to recognize the importance of the light. We are only functioning if we are near the light, if we are close to the light. So that that way when the light hits us, we can hit it to others. But if things get in the way of that light, then we're no longer being reflective light. That moment we're not shining as we're meant to be. And so this we see why it's so important to be the salt and the, dark, the salt and the light in this world. If we want to be men that can be separated from a collapsing culture, we have to recognize that we have to. to We need to be committed to the Word of God, to the Word of God, and being a testimony of others of the Gospel of Jesus. If we want to be separated from this collapsing culture, we must be committed to the Word of God. Remain pure. Not let anything. Get in the way of the pureness of the Word of God. Not culture. Not what we may have to lose. Not on the not, what, not on, the, on the on light of compromise. Not in light of relationships maybe hindering because we're standing on truth. We will stand on truth regardless of that, and we will be committed to being a testimony to others of who God is, of the gospel of Jesus. So here's what we're going to do. You should have uh, some papers on your table for discussions. So we're going to give you guys time to go over those questions and discuss them among yourself. And so hopefully this will be things that you would uh, be challenged by and things that you will consider when it comes to this idea of being separate from a culture that is collapsing. The questions that you have is why is it hard to be in the world but not of the world? In what ways have you been pressured or enticed to give in to the culture? Why is it easier to compromise to culture when relationships and others are on the line? And how have you been assaulted and allied to our collapsing culture? And if not, why? All right, I hope you guys have had some good discussions about this idea of being separate. I hope too that you recognize that it's something that all of us... uh, it can happen to all of us where we can find ourselves being in a position where we are in the world and of the world. And so I want us to take us back to that prayer that Jesus took and just to think about that moment, what that felt, what that was for his disciples to see their Savior about to take on a journey towards the cross, to take the time and to pray for his, to his father. Not for protection, not for deliverance, not for the Lord, for God to remove them from the world, but 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 while they are in the world, to not be of the world, to be the salt and the light for this world. The reality is that this world definitely and desperately needs Jesus. It needs the gospel, and that is the only reason why this world is collapsing because of sin, because of the absence of the gospel. And so as Christians, we are not to hide ourselves. We're not to bunker up. We're not to try to have not in contact with culture because that is not our responsibility. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. And so the challenge for you guys and for myself is is that as men, as fathers, as husbands that we will be committed in every area of our life to be the salt and the light in this world. That we will not let anything compromise our responsibility as a father when we're raising our kids. That it doesn't matter whether they don't like it or not. That it doesn't matter where culture says is right or wrong. That we will look at the Bible as the pure guidance for what we need to do as parents. And that we're not willing to compromise that. That when it comes to our marriage, that we're willing to recognize that we are to set an example to other families around us that may not believe in the gospel. That the way we treat our wives should be done in such a way that it will serve as a testimony to those that are around us. That if you're in college or if you're in school, that the way that you interact. With, that, with your friends, with your classmates, with your professors. That the way that you behave is so unique, it's so pure, it is so committed to the word of God that people can recognize that you are not, that even though you live in this world and even though you are around the culture, the culture does not define you. You are not of the culture. That even though you are in it, you are not of it. And so that's my prayer for us tonight. That as men we will be committed to be passionate. To be serious about being the salt and the light in this dark and collapsing world. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for tonight. I pray, Father, that you will help us do that, that you will help us, Lord, and recognize the importance of being separate from this. Uh, culture, Lord, that even though we are in the culture, even though the culture is around us, that it is we're not identified by it, that we're not defined by it, Lord. But that is Your Word that tells us what we should do, Lord. That we would allow Your Word be the only thing that guide our steps, that it will be the only thing that it will transform us, and that it will challenge us to be the man that we are called to be, to be the leaders that we are called to be, Lord. Knowing that we're to be pure and committed to you Lord. I pray that you help us do that today. We pray this in your in your name. Amen.